Hi everyone, this is part two of our very long-winded episode about bees. And I just wanted to remind everyone that last week we actually talked about like the difference between Africanized bees and European honeybees. And how Africanized bees are taking over South America. We also talked about colony collapse disorder which is happening all across the United States and all over the world, really. We talked about the first aspect of CCD, which is Varroa mites. But there are two other aspects that we're going to talk about, and I will just let Richard go ahead and do that. After our lovely theme music. Now, the second primary concern with this may be uh, commercial spraying of pesticides. Now, this isn't on, like, near the hive that it's a problem. It's mm-hmm. on crops. When farmers spray pesticides too close to when they're going to b- be bringing bees in to fertilize, there are some there's strong evidence to support the, the claim that that is what's killing all of these bees. And the reason why the workers just seem to vanish from the hive is because they go out, they get a little bit of pesticide, and they kind of come back, they're feeling a little sick, but they, they go back out, they get more pesticides inside, and they fly around finding flowers and just keel over. Oh. Away from the hive while they're out. And it seems to track pretty nicely. There are still some unanswered questions with it because that doesn't quite explain everything, but it does explain a lot. So this is why they're disappearing? 60%? This is a... Hmm? This is why they're 60% of them are disappearing? Is that what you're talking about? We're disappearing. Now, CCD, colony collapse disorder, has rates have fallen dramatically in the last couple of years. That's good. That is a lifesaver. In fact, to such an extent that uh, there are people reporting, possibly reporting cases of feral bees again. Yay! Which is positive thing because that means that they're healthy but it's not nowhere near where it was right and the big another big question is if it truly is just pesticides why did it just flare up so bad i mean we really didn't see ccd before you know 1990 okay it, it wasn't a thing really and then all of a sudden, 60% of your hives were going out. Yeah. And hives sometimes just don't make it in the winter. It's a thing. But it was nothing like this. Why was it all of a sudden happening if it was pesticides? We've been using pesticides forever. So there are some unanswered questions. But the EPA and a number of different organizations have effectively p- placed bans on a number of pesticides that are thought to be the number one killers of bees we're making some progress. Now, the third possible issue with CCD, and this is one that isn't talked about as much, is Chinese sac brood virus. Okay, so why are we talking about it if it isn't talked about so much? Because it's, frankly, fascinating. <laughs> <laughs> you enjoy researching this podcast I way did. I too much. It. But So this is a virus where... 
um, it really only affects larvae and new bees. Okay. In fact, I mean, we know that the adults get it, but they're fine. We can't detect it at all. They're, they're just fine. But in the larva, what happens is uh, they start to blacken. Like they die, they dry out, and they before they die, they start leaking just copious quantities of fluid. And what happens then is you see the nest start just sagging. Like all of the cells that hold the larva swell up and swell up and swell up into big sacs. Ew. It's disgusting. And all uh, and these sacs are all filled with virus. Gross. Mm-hmm. So very, very swiftly, you get a state in which you have a whole bunch of workers. So your queen is fine. Everything's fine. But you can't have flurva. But it's a fascinating virus, and it's very common among bees. And there really doesn't seem to be much of a resistance among any of the species or strains. Not even Africanized bees? Africanized bees seem to be more resistant to it than others. But, I mean, this virus devastated bees in China, like, horribly. It was first, like, really... Wait, there are bees in China? Oh, there are bees all over the world. Bees are the most effective pollinators of plants that humanity has ever discovered. I mean, humans, they're, they're almost essential to agriculture, frankly, especially on a commercial scale. So is that why there wasn't very much agriculture in North America and South America before we introduced mm-hmm. bees? Yeah. And the agriculture that was there generally was more wind pollinated, like corn. Wheat. Yeah. Wheat, corn. Those things Maize. don't require p- pollinators nearly as much. Uh, but with anything that we really enjoy having to eat, apples, oranges, pears, bananas, especially with the fruits. Those are big ones. You need pollinators. You just absolutely have to have them. So Johnny Appleseed probably happened after honeybees. Mm -hmm. Honeybees were introduced into the Americas, 1700s. I mean, we brought them very early, before uh, America was a thing. How long did it take them to spread? Not long at all. Do we have a quantitative number no. for that? <laughs> Dang. We don't. I mean, it, it was seen as a good thing. No one bothered to note it. I mean, and frankly, it so, happened so early that the colonizers really never noticed that they weren't there. I mean, it's super interesting. You know, you hear about people bringing rats over into small islands and like mm-hmm. completely decimating the ecosystem. But then you bring over bees and like they're nothing but good. And now you want to talk about some of the healing properties and nutritional properties of the honey itself. Yeah, so honey is super, super interesting, guys. Super interesting. Believe us, it's true. We're telling you. (laughs) Trust us, we're scientists. Did we say that something like... Mm. Yeah, we can't say trust me, I'm a doctor, because we're not doctors, but... Trust us, we're scientists. Yeah. So... Honey has actually been used as a medicine in the past and in the present Mm -hmm. and probably in the future. So honey is used as medicine. Yeah. So if it's, (laughs) if it's still used by the time you're listening to this podcast, then yes, it's been used in the future. (laughs) Anyway, um, so it can be used to heal wounds. It can be used to heal burns 
because it's antibacterial and it's highly viscous and moist, which means it's not going to evaporate. Um, other things that will kill microorganisms like isopropyl alcohol or uh, hydrogen peroxide. Those evaporate. They, I mean. they evaporate rather quickly. Honey is going to stick around and it'll stay on the wound. Um, there's even a type of honey that has been approved by the FDA. It's called Medi Honey, right? How did you know that? I'm totally not reading off your notes. I promise. Okay. <laughs> Aren't you going to ask me why honey is antibacterial? I'm a biologist. <laughs> okay, Richard. I'm not going to offend my Here- stupid. <laughs> This is why honey is antibacterial, okay? Most honeys contain enzymes that produce hydrogen peroxide, which, as you know, as a biologist, is potently antibacterial. It's also actually potently anti-everything because it just takes cell walls and murders them, which is why you really should not be putting any kind of... uh, hydrogen peroxide on your wounds in any kind of concentration but honey's fine because little amounts isn't the hydrogen peroxide that's medical grade isn't that a smaller amount anyways it's yeah like generally a, yeah it's a but most people amount. buy actual hydrogen peroxide which is like 30 to 40 percent that's not a good plan yeah like my like my mother did it all the time for years and she told me to do it and you, you put it on you see it bubble up and fizz up and that's murder you're murdering your skin's your all of everything. Just well, yeah, because it produces free radicals. And exactly. Your body has to. Nothing survives free radicals. Free radicals are the reason why paint chips. I mean. On the other hand, if you're putting it on your wound, like you're most likely killing what's on the surface, which is potentially germs. Right. So I mean, it does its job, but it also kills you a little bit, just a little bit. Mm-hmm. So as I said, most honeys do produce hydrogen peroxide. But Manuka honey does not have those enzymes, but it's still antibacterial. Manuka honey is that version, or Meta honey is Manuka honey. It's made not from all, Manuka honey. Yeah, not all Manuka honey is Meta honey, but Meta honey is Manuka honey. It's still it's, antimicrobial, even though it doesn't have the enzymes, right? Mm-hmm. That's because it's packed full of sugar. But don't the microorganisms eat sugar? Thank you for ruining your street kid. You're welcome. Yes, they do eat sugar, but high concentrations of sugar, like that found in honey, will essentially suck the water out of any microorganisms, causing them to shrivel up and die! Kind of like when you put salt on a slug. I don't know if you ever did that when you were a kid. I did. Oh my did. gosh. It was so to. much fun. It's amazing. <laughs> Childhood memories. Yeah. So yeah, so that's why honey is super cool. Mm-hmm. It and can... it's also very... It, it takes a lot of work for bees to make honey. Yeah. The average bee will make, make about... A, no, 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 you already talked way too much, bro. Fine, then. You tell them. Okay. Anyway, so what's so cool about honey is that it takes a lot of work to make it. 
a lot of work. It takes two million flowers to make one pound of honey. That's a lot of flowers. And an average honeybee will make about one twelfth of a teaspoon of honey over her lifetime. It's only about six weeks, but still, that talk about like slave labor, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Slaving away to make such a tiny amount. Um, a hive usually has to make between 60 and 100 pounds of honey per year. It takes a minimum of 35 pounds of honey to sustain a population over the winter. So with all that work to do, bees need to be very efficient about their work. So they've come up with some very efficient and very interesting ways of doing that. Being more efficient? Yeah, being more efficient. One thing they'll do is they'll dance to show their fellow bees where the flowers are. Another thing they'll do... Interpretive dance. Yeah. Righteous man. <laughs> Another thing that they do, which is super interesting, is that I think actually it might just be the bumblebees that do this. So not the honey producing bees, unfortunately. So even some computer programs have trouble with this problem. This problem is how to get from point A to B to C to D in the shortest like time possible, so, shortest distance possible. So like if you need to go to the post office and the grocery store and the bank and all that, how do you do that really efficiently? Or in a bee, bee terms, if you've got six flowers in a field, how do you hit all of them as quickly as possible? Right, and bees are able to do it. They're able to plot the shortest route every time. Shortest possible route. Hmm. Even some computer programs have difficulty with this problem, and they do it. Just They're do super it. cool. Yeah. Nice. Not to mention how what they do to keep warm in the winter. Did I tell you that? What they do is they form a giant ball in the middle of their hive, and the bees that are in the middle will pack really close together, and the bees that are on the outside will get cold, so they'll start crawling towards the middle. And it's basically a bunch of bees hogging the blankets all winter long. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, they'll crawl towards the middle and mm -hmm. then displace the bees that are in the middle, and it'll be like a rotating ball. Right. It's super you know, cool. They actually do something kind of similar to that to deal with certain types of predators. Really? Yeah, there, there are some strains of Apis serrana that when encountering... Uh, what, a, what is Apis serrana? Okay, so Apis serrana is a different species of bee. This is a kind of honeybee that evolved more in Asia, and it's much more... They're, they're very tidy as bees. They keep their nest very spick and spam. And they also have smaller nests, on average, than European bees. Now, some strains of Apis serrana, on encountering wasps, which are their predators, they'll actually, about a hundred or so bees, will surround the wasp and flutter their wings uh, really hard to generate heat. You can, we've actually measured it. They generate heat to get to precisely 47 degrees Celsius, which is the temperature at which the uh, wasps die, but it is p almost exactly 1.5 de degrees Celsius lower than the temperature at which bees die. Whoa! 
So they form a big ball and just heat the wasp to death. Dang. That's so freaking cool. It's amazing. I could just talk about bees all day long. Me too, but we can't. Before we've edited this, this podcast is is almost 45 minutes long. 43. 45, it sounds more impressive. Sure. (laughs) We're going to do some editing, and this will probably be a two-parter. None of which you're going to know, because we're going to edit all of this extra talking out. Probably not. I mean... We have to show people our personality. They want to see our personality. Why do they want to see that? Because they do. Who wants to listen to this voice talk? Come on. <laughs> okay. Well, All right. Anyway. Are you ready? Ready? Yeah. Let's do it together this time. Ready? Mm-hmm. One, One, two, two three. three. Geek out! Wait, maybe we shouldn't shout. <laughs> maybe we shouldn't. Let's try that One, again. two, three... Geek out. There we go. Okay, guys, thank you so much for listening to us geek out about bees this week and putting up with our ridiculous long episode. Don't forget to check us out on Facebook, Twitter. You can send us an email at themaplegeeks at gmail.com. We have an iTunes. Check that out. SoundCloud, etc. You guys have a great week and don't forget to geek out.